Alright, so uh, we're towards the end of the second letter and uh, I guess we'll just probably finish the second letter and uh, it'll be a little bit shorter today. Um, so just to, just to recap the second letter. So we have the complaint, right? The first letter, the powerful letter of all, uh, all Benjamin's complaints against Yiddishkeit as he understands it. The second letter of Hirsch is, you know, setting up the right perspective, right? You have to have the right framework, the right way to approach it. Otherwise, you know, you stop wasting your time, right? And that's the line that he said. He says, you know, only after you gain knowledge about Yiddishkeit this way, after you come to know it as it presents itself, then you may, if you wish, cast stones upon it. You know, you want to you criticize it, you have to first, uh, you have to know what you're talking about, right? And he says, first of all, he said that, uh, you know, the, the ideas of happiness and perfection, you know, he's questioning the premise. You know, who says that that's the point of life? That's a very, very subjective term. You know, who says that that's what it is? But he says the most important thing is, if you want to know anything about Yiddishkeit, there's a very, very important book you have to read, right? This is, it's the only account given by Hashem, given that Yiddishkeit believes to be its founding document, right? You want to understand that you've got to be an originalist, right? You have to actually read the book, open it up, forget about everything you were taught, forget about everything that your motors taught you, forget about everything that, you know, that you brought up with, and read it. Open up the Torah and read it, and read it with the Torah Shabbat, read it the way that, that, that the Torah itself, the Torah doesn't mean only Torah Shabbat, the Torah will talk more later. You know, for Ket, for him, Teresh Shabbat Peh is the, is, is the real Torah, right? But you want to know the history of Klai Yisrael, this is it. You want to, you can do archaeological digs and all these other things and try to, but this is the Torah's own version of itself. So you want to know, how does the Yiddishkeit view Yiddishkeit? You have to read the Torah, right? And that's it. Read the Torah and, and see what it says. But he says, but you have to read it. Don't read it. Don't read the Torah in order to get secrets of, of the Himmels. Don't, right? Don't read the Torah to get the, you know, Rafersh says in Bereshis, Bereshis, well, the Kemesah Shemayim. Right? He says Shemayim is, is really a relative term. Right? It's, it's either, it's plural of the word Shem, right? it's like there. So I say you're on earth, so it's like everything that's there, that's you know, Shemayim. Or he says it's from the Lashon of Shem, it's what, puts, it's what keeps the world in its place. You know? it's like, but Shemayim is really a word which is relative to earth. Right? So the Torah is not telling us about the stuff that's above the Shemayim. Right? That's, not, that's not our realm. Right? The, that's us to, to you know, think about you know, Malamala, Malamata, that's not within our realm. The Torah is about us in this world. And Shemayim, as it relates to Aras, is, is what's important, right? So you're reading the Torah because you want to get secrets of science, of history, of, of, of things that are beyond us. You're not going to get it. You want to read, you have to read the Torah, but read it as if it's, as what it is, Torah. Torah is something which is, gives instruction. It's Myra, something which, which tells us what to do, tells us how to live our lives. It's going to tell us, right? The, you know, we have 2,000 years of history until we get to Avram Avinu, Barak, right? The Torah tells us very, very little, right? It's, that's some of the interesting thing, right? That, as we get further, you know, we get most, right, the, the world started off very broad, the whole world, and then we get very specific, right? We go from the general to the specific. And the general, Rashus and Nayach, is you know, two parshas, covers 2,000 years, right? 1,948 years till Avram is born. From Avram, that's when things start to get specific, right? So, but what's the purpose of the Torah giving us those introductions, right? Those introductions are all important to, for us to understand our own role, right? Which we'll get to in in the next letter. But you have to read the Torah from, from the right perspective. And this is a general thing, right? In, in, in the idea of Torah Shema, like a first understands Torah Shema to be that Torah that you're doing it in order that you should keep it, right? And this is the, well, the guy who says similar things, you know, Chaim Velazhin, there's, you know, I don't want to get into the controversy, but the idea of, of learning Torah, right? You know, you, when you have, a, you know, a theory, Rav Aaron told me one time, he was, uh, there was, I, forgot, I don't think it was him, it was someone else was debating one of these, you know, uh, atheists, one of these, 
So he, he asked the guy, he says, look, if I sit there and make a good compelling argument, are you going to change your way of life? Are you going to like go ahead and you know, become a bit... The guy's like, no. He's like, okay, so look, wasting our time. Right? To have academic conversation with someone just for the sake of hack and, and to, to write internet blogs, that's, that's, right? then you, you, if you're coming with that wrong perspective, then you're wasting your time. Right? It's like, you know, if your perspective is that, uh, that, that COVID was real and it wasn't put in by the CIA, to, no, I'm joking. Like if, you, if you're coming in with like, your priors and you're having... Nothing anyone's going to say is going to change your mind, right? You have to come in understanding what it is and understanding what it's meant to be. That this is the most important thing. This is going to tell you what the purpose of your life is. This is telling you what God wants from you. And now read it, tell you, read it with that perspective. Read it with an open heart and mind. And then you can now understand Yiddishkeit. At least understand it. Then he says one final point. That's what we'll talk about today. And this is, this, is, this is an area where people actually get a, very, a little bit turned off from Rav Hirsch when they try to read his svarim. This actually causes them problems. Furthermore, we must read the Torah in Hebrew according to the spirit of this language. It's on page 16, the second paragraph, right? So it's Lashon HaKadosh. We go Hebrew, Lashon HaKadosh, right? And now if you, anyone ever opened up a Rav Hirsch Sefer, particularly his Chumash, you're going to see that there are, you know, he goes on about Hebrew, about grammar and diktuk, mamish of tremendous arichis. As a matter of fact, when the original Chumash was put out in English, which is, you know, the blue one, that was his grand, his Alivi, his son-in-law, I think translated it into, into English, they took out a lot of, like, those pieces. Like, it was just too much. It was too long. People weren't interested. Right now, they reprinted the new one, like the maroon, the red uh, Chumash. They put it back in. But uh, Rav Hirsch, you know, this is a trem- very, very important to Rav Hirsch, is understanding Lashon HaKadosh, understanding Diktuk. And we'll see Rav Hirsch has tremendous Chedushim here, right? He says, it describes objects sparingly, right? The words are very short, and, uh, right? But this multiplicity of meanings conveyed by its verbal roots is such that it graphically depicts the objects in one word. Right? In Lashon HaKadosh, we know everyone holds right, this Shirashim. Right? Generally speaking, we learned today in Yeshiva that there's three letters to every Sherish. Right? The word Achal means to eat. Right? But even within that system, and we'll see Rav Hirsch's system, even within that system, right, there's seven, there's seven binyana, there's seven ways that you can say the word Achal. Right? You can say, you know, he ate, he was fed, he fed himself, right? he was fed, right? there's the Hispael, the Paul, but then there's also, there's, there's, there's the Kalan, there's the Chadah, right? there's eat, then there's Achal is to eat, Ikil is the same word means to consume, to destroy. It's the same root, but just a much stronger way, right? So you have words which are essentially the same words, right? The same, same roots, but they mean completely different things, right? They mean, or a different emphasis on the thing, right? There's halal, this is his halal, there's yis halal, right? These words are just, it's a very, very complicated system. I mean, it's not complicated. You learn the roots, you learn the, the words, you know, the basic rules, and you can get a basic, basic understanding. But the point is that you're, you know, the, and there's a tremendous nuance here, right? Rav Hirsch has a mahalach. And I think, I think they say this is based on his Rebbe of Bernays, Chacham Bernays, right? Is that roots are actually two-letter roots, right? They have two words. If they share two of the same letters, they're connected, right? And so, therefore, the range of connections are, are endless, right? You have a word which shares any two, and then there are certain letters which are interchangeable, right? That the Zion and Pei, they're, you know, this is a stronger version of this letter, the Dalit is a stronger this, right? And the Gemaras that talk about it, it's not just, just made up out of the blue. And so he can have a word which is connected to other words in like this amazing, incredible way. And I'm just like, right now, I'm like, you know, off, like the word Bara is related to the word Pere, is, related to, is, is related to the word, it's a long chain. And, and through that, there's a dictionary that they put out called the Etymological Dictionary of Hirsch, right? It's basically, it goes through each Shairish, and, you know, so it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a genius. So basically, it's a tremendous genius. There are those that hold that, nah, this is ridiculous, there aren't two-letter roots, and, and your idea is just, Lamaise, it stims, right? It, if you read throughout Tanakh, he has words that are just pushit, and he really, he, in a way, he creates an hashkafa of Yiddishkeit 
based on grammar. It's an amazing thing, right? You know, the, 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 word, the word, you know, for, for, for nation, you know, it's, it's, the Torah doesn't look at a nation like, you know, in German, a nation means is a Volk. Well, he writes about this a lot by the, um, the Migdal Bavel, right, where languages got mixed up, and he tries to explain what exactly happened there, what was the phenomenon that happened there, right? You know, the way that you describe someone makes it very, right, is the way, you, when you call someone, you know, your king, if you call, you know, your, your, your melech, he's a king, that means you're looking at a king, that means power, right, that means that he's, he's a, whereas in Yilashon HaKadosh, melech is from, it means something else, right, the, the, the way you describe things, right, is, is, is often the way you're looking at it, right, your perspective, right, if you call, uh, I don't know, like, a, I don't think in Hebrew, a, a computer is called a mechashe, right, a that means that you're looking at it as, as a thing that thinks, right? That, that tells you something about the way that you... The way Lashon HaKadosh describes words, Baiker, what is Baiker? Baiker means Levaka, right? To, to discern. Baiker is a time when day, when you can see the differences between things. How do you look at day? Day is a time, you know, that Lila is when things are mixed up, right? So it's not just dark and, and light. It's when things are clear versus when things are unclear. And, and there's a perspective there. And he has a whole hashkafa in collected writings. Mamash like a hashkafa based on Lashon HaKadosh. Right? But, but, but even more basic, trying to read the Chumash, understanding the nuance of the words is very important. Right? Basic grammar, first of all. You can read a Pasuk, and, and you see this sometimes, unfortunately. I, I'm not calling any specific person out, but you read certain Svarah that are saying Torah. I'm not talking about Chassidish Torah. is deliberately more of like a Jewish, not, not Meshubit to, to the grammar and to Pshat. In, in a, in a, in a, right? It's a different level of... But like, you see someone that's saying a Pshat and a Pasuk, that it simply doesn't match with basic grammar, right? It's, it's like, even today, I talked about the daf today, right? It's Rashi, right? It says, Ki yasser bitcha me'acherai. It says, yasser, not saser. Yasser means he will remove as opposed to, if it would be a, if it would be a daughter, that would be saser, right? It's, it, just to understand basic grammar is very, very important. Now, predicate is joint to subject and sentence, right? Predicate is joint to subject and sentence follows sentence, right? There are a lot of words missing, right? The, you know, just basic, right? The Ben Yaakov means the son of Yaakov, right? But that's not what it means. Ben means son. Yaakov means Yaakov, right? So it's as if it says son Yaakov, right? But no, it means the son of Yaakov, right? There are words missing. Hakel Kel Yaakov, which literally means the voice, voice Yaakov. But it means the voice is the voice of Yaakov, right? There are things missing here that have to, have to be filled in. And the content makes a lot, right? And the context makes a lot of difference here. But the listening soul is expected to be so watchfully intent. Right? You have to read every word so carefully. This is what I mean. Every word, every nuance, by its own effort, it will not supplement what is not spelled out, right? You, know, it, you have to put in that effort, right? You, you can't just, uh, right? But the listening soul is expected to be so watchfully intent that by its own effort, it will supplement what is not spelled out, right? The things that are missing are, are if you know how to read it properly, it's there. It is, as it were, semi-symbolic writing, right? You know, part of the problem, you have like, you know, these, you know, the, you know I don't know, you know, these, these, you know, these Bible critics, these Bible scholars, right? And they read it and they have, it doesn't make sense, and this says this, and this says this, so it must be that it was written by two different people. If you don't know the words, the, the rules of the game, right? The Torah is not meant to be, you know, a storybook written with rules of grammar that uh, Ben Yehuda made up. It's meant to teach us things in a very specific way. Right? And it's almost like symbolic, where it will say something in Lashon Nekeva when it's talking about a man. Is that a mistake? Does that mean that uh, this guy was an idiot? The guy that wrote it was written by two different people? No. It means that the Torah is trying to tell us, right? The, the Lashon of Tashash Kechach Nekeva, right? Weak like a Nekeva, right? There are, there are times when the Torah writes things in the plural. And he, and he dwelled Negadahar. He is a singular, talking about a whole nation, right? The Torah writes things to tell us to teach us things, right? This was, Klai Yisrael was as one unit, right? There's a, it's symbolic, right? It's like nuance. It's, it's written in a way 
to, you have to be very careful. Accordingly, we must read it with an alert ear and a mind roused to full activity. Nothing is spun out for us at length so that we could, so to speak, absorb it while daydreaming. You can't just lay down in bed and read the Torah. It has to be read, read in a very, very careful way. We must endeavor to recreate in our mind the speaker's ideas and say, what is Hashem saying? Right? We have to look at it from the perspective of what is Hashem trying to say? Even when you read of Hirsch's Pirush on Chumash, it's the same thing. It's not like a Pirush. Most Pirushim, there's a Kasha, there's a Terrace, he's explaining a puzzle. Rav Hirsch is writing from the perspective of the Torah, right? That's how his Pirush is. It's flowing out of the Pesukim. The Pesukim is the Torah talking to us, Hashem talking to us, and that's how the Pirush is. And seek to follow his, his, his trend of thought, or else the meaning will escape us. And so it's a big effort. Now, let's, uh, now, um, let's, we'll just, before we get to the next thing, just skip the paragraph. This should give you an approximate idea of the path I have followed. For the time being, I should communicate to you only the result of my studies. I'm not going to make you get into all this right now in order to understand the Sefer. Read my Pirish, you know, on Chorev uh, and, and Maria that he was supposed to write, or read the Pirish on Chumash, and you get to all that. That's not going to, you know, I'm going to tell you what my sheet is, what I hold, my Ashkafa, and the way I got to it was using this Mahalach, but I'm not going to bog you down with that now. So that's going to be just, as, as a point, it's not going to share us from learning the 19 letters or learning the Torah of Hirsch, you know, back then he's dealing with people that, you know, didn't, uh, didn't learn. They were ignorant. They didn't have a good, you know. So he says, if you want to understand Yiddishkeit, you know, you have to read it this way. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what I came up with. I'm going to give you the Mahalach based on these things. And so you'll be okay. Which is, again, going to be our approach. Again, a little bit here and there. We'll get into some grammar um, just to show you where our first is coming from. But in generally speaking, you don't have to feel like, you don't have to worry. But it just as a side point, it's, it's something which is extremely Kedai. Lashon HaKadosh is it's a beautiful language and there are some very important and basic rules. Is a, the guy that wrote a book, I think he used to teach in Arsameach. They sell, it's like a workbook. It goes through the basic rules of grammar and it's beautiful. It's a very, it's, it's, you know, it's not that complicated. And you read it, you can really approach, you know, Tanakh in a, in a, in a very, very uh, unique and special way. And you could really, you could start learning it correctly. Otherwise, you know, you just, you know, yeah, words are this, you know, it all means the same and it's, it's hard to, anyways. Now the next thing, and this is equally important, the same applies to our comprehension of the mitzvahs, right? Because again, Rav Hirsch, this whole sefer is introduction to two ideas. Number one is the hashkafa, and number two is the actual mitzvahs of the Torah, right? He was going to write two books, Maria and Chayrev. Chayrev is the mitzvahs. Maria, which is you know, never written, is more like the hashkafa. So on the hashkafa, this is based on me reading Chumash Bereshis, and then the whole Chayrev and Tanakh, and coming up with this mahalach. But what about the mitzvahs? When they assign a purpose to a particular object or ordain a symbolic observance. In other words, let's say, you know, uh, matzah, eat matzah, right? Or uh, don't work on Yom Kippur, right? So the Torah is, again, certain mitzvahs, they're kind of basic, right? You know, give tzedakah, don't steal, don't cheat, right? We understand that these are mitzvahs, that the action is itself the purpose, right? But there's a lot of mitzvahs which he's calling symbolic. Now, symbolism is a very important part of Hirsch's Mahalach, and I'm not, we'll get into it a little bit later when he talks about the mitzvahs. But the idea of like, you know, for example, I'll give you an example. He talks about bris milah. So the Rambam writes that bris milah will actually make a person, you know, uh, it will curb his taiva, right? By getting, by removing the foreskin, you're actually going to be less sensitive, and therefore you're not going to be such a taiva, right? You know, like if someone said this over, so you said, like, he said this to think, you know, what it would be like without, without Bismillah, you know, if that's the case. But Rav Hirsch is like, okay, he's not handling the, the, the biological and scientific reality there. But his point is, is that that's not necessary. The Bismillah doesn't have to accomplish anything intrinsically. All right, what accomplishes in Shemayim is also not Rav Hirsch's world. But there's a symbol, symbolism. You're symbolically, you know, being, being mul the erla, and you're symbolically curbing the taiva, right? And you're, the bris with Hashem is, we're, we're showing Hashem that we're, we're, we're being kairis bris. 
Doesn't, right? So there are symbols. The mitzvahs are symbols. By eating matzah, we're, we're symbolizing something. We're symbolizing things by not doing malacha. We're not doing anything be'etzim, right? Again, we'll keep Shemaim out of it for now. We're not, we're not doing anything, but what we're doing is we're, we're demonstrating through our actions extremely important and fundamental ideas, right? So we're eating matzah, or we're not working on Shabbos, right? So when it comes to a particular object, we have to investigate analytically the connection between the object and its purpose. What does matzah have to do with Yisrael Mitzrayim? What does the lulav have to do with thing? What is the sukkah? Look at the action, look at the thing. What is tefillin? What is tzitzis? All right, the Torah says what tefillin are, and it says what the purpose is. Or you could tell from the context, well now, look at the tefillin. What is going on here? It has to be square. There's four parshas, and the shayat is one, right? What's going on over here, right? You have to look at it and make that connection. Right? And this is very important, right? The Rambam, for example, the Rambam holds not like this lahedya. All right, and there's, there's a Rishonim dealing with Taimi Mitzvahs deal with this, and so Rav Hirsch, even when he's taking a strong position, is usually coming from other you know, there's other Rishonim. So the Rambam holds that there's a general reason for mitzvahs. Again, I'm not, I'm not a bucky in the Shittas Rambam. There's a general reason for mitzvahs, but the details you, you don't be busy with. Right? When, you, when we talk about don't look at the reasons for mitzvahs, the mitzvahs are only letzaref esabrius. Rambam says that's in the details, right? Don't worry about the details. There's an overarching Indian of the mitzvah. The details. Don't worry about it. That's not, you know, that's just... What? So like, I'll give you an example. Shabbos is to remember Hashem care the world, let's say, right? The fact that Malachis Machshavah says and the fact that it's mutter to do it this way, but not to do it this way, that, that doesn't matter. Doesn't, who cares? That's not important for understanding the reason of Shabbos. The general, right, he says uh, Egla Rufa, right? Egla Rufa is in order to make a big publicity in order to find the murderer. I so how come it's only if the murderer was on the road, not if he was hanging, and not if he was on the water, and how come it's only if it was exactly between two cities, and how come it's only... You don't look at the details to get an enhanced of, of the mitzvah, right. For the time of mitzvahs, don't worry about the reasons. If either the reasons are, I mean, you have to keep the mitzvahs, right? Rav Hirsch is lahedya now like that, and the other he showed him, right? He says, okay, sometimes it's like a stira, you know, like the, the reason is like, you know, the details show you that your whole reason made no sense, right? If... if, if if every part of the mitzvah doesn't stim, then how can you say that that's the reason, right? And so in Rav Hirsch's time of mitzvahs, every detail of the mitzvah, right, is, is, is part of the whole Ashkafah. Rav Hirsch, when he talks about Shabbos, he'll talk about Malachas Machshavas, and why is Shino not a problem, and why is this, and why... Everything has to stim, because the mitzvah is giving you a symbol, right? If, if there's details there that are just extra, then it's just, it's just confusing. Imagine you had a traffic light, right, with red, white, and blue to tell you when to stop, to slow down, and go. But there's also some pink lights there, and then there's some extra pieces, right? You would never do that, because that's just, that's going to distort, right? Imagine you had, you know, green means to go, but uh, the green is covered over by, uh, by a piece of paper. So then you can't see it, so how could it be a symbol if it... Right, so that's what first. You have to look at everything and try to connect it. And in the light, you have to try to understand the significance of the action, considering its intent and context. Hashem wants you to do a certain action. When does He want you to do it? Why does He want you to do it? Look at the information and try to get a broad understanding. So just like when you're reading the Torah, you have to get the full scope. You have to get you know, understanding of the language, of the nuance, of the context. So to the mitzvahs, you want to understand the mitzvahs, the reasons, the hashkafa of the mitzvahs. You need to take everything into, in, in, you know, into consideration. What's the, what's the raisa? What's the rabbanon? You know? That's a very important thing. We, you know, we talk about Shabbos, like in Rav Hirsch, you know, Shabbos, you know, we talk about Shabbos, oh, hey, the Shabbos and Zmiris and thing, but like Rav Hirsch, what is Shabbos? Right? That's maybe a Drabbanan. What's Shabbos? Shabbos says, don't do Malacha. Rav Hirsch's whole Mahalach and Shabbos will be, what's the Indian of Malacha? Right? And Malacha is very hard, it's a negative, right? Here we have, it's a don't do something. 
but that's, that, that's expressing something positive, right? Again, you'll have, let's say, like, you know, the Rambam, right? The Rambam holds that the Einik Shabbos, and, uh, you know, that's alts, you know, uh, my Sibiratius, but then there's the not doing work on Shabbos, the Rambam says, is connected to Mitzrayim, right? That's the famous Rambam, but uh, the Shabbos is connected both. I, you know, there are other Mahalchim here, but I'm just, in Rav Hirsch, Right? It's, it's, you, have to, you have to take, right? Rav Hirsch says that we, we tend to look at, you know, we had the sugya of Asay Dei Chalais Asay, right? So the, the famous Ramban says, right, that Asay comes from Ava. Alais Asay comes from Yira, right? And so Ava is stronger than Yira, right? And we look at, we tend to look at Mrs. Asay as if we're doing something positive. And Alais Asay is just like, you know, don't steal, don't cheat. He says, but there's, there's a lot of overlap, right? So for example, don't eat from the Gidhanasha. That's a positive. It's it's about it's about uh, Yaakov, you know, beat the Malach. He's recently came right? It's it's a negative mitzvah. Don't eat something, but it's expressing a positive idea. Shabbos, don't do malacha, is expressing a positive idea of uh, of Hashem creating the world. However, that works, right? So it's 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 important to understand in Rav Hirsch's world, everything has to be very very specific. We have to really get down and understand all the details before you can really understand you know the the reasons behind it. And again, the idea of, of reasons for mitzvahs, Rav Hirsch will get to later. He says Avada, he says a hundred Gemaras he brings down that uh, we look at time, we do time ha mitzvahs. There's a machlaik is whether the Shina time of the Kra, right? Whether a reason for a mitzvah could um, affect the halacha, right? If uh, the mitzvah of don't return a mashkin is only because she doesn't have money, what if she's a rich uh, mana who's rich? You know, could the reason affect the halacha? But the, the idea that you should be Dairish time with the kra, the Gemaras are full of it. He brings down a hundred Gemaras that talk about reasons, even though there were some Rishonim that were against it. Most Rishonim, some, you know, to some extent, were over. Okay, this should give you a personal idea. For the time being, I shall communicate to you only the results. Later, if you wish, I'll be more explicit and demonstrate my methods of research, right? Which is, uh, which is what he does in Chayrev and what uh, he would have done in Maria, but again, he does it more or less in Chomish, where, again, this is going to be very, very bekitzer and it's just going to kind of give us the overview. And then in those other Svarim, Hirsch will be Meirich and will explain to you how we got to it. Okay, and then just a few. Well, now let us read. Forget the frustration that reading these writings caused you in your youth. Forget the prejudices about these writings that you may have absorbed from various sources. Let's read them as if we have never read them before, never heard about them. Let us raise in our soul the basic question of life. The world, what is the world around me? What am I? What should I be in relation to it? What should I be as a man and as an Israelite? Right? This word Israelite is Rav Hirsch's kind of unique word. It's, it's translated in English different ways. Israel Mensch, I think, was in German. Israel Mensch. It's a Yehudi, a Ish Yehudi, you know? Right? We must read it with such a, with such a questing spirit and we shall receive the answer as Jews from the mouth of him, Hashem, who, who alone is able to give it to us. All right, I'm Hashem next week. We'll, uh, we'll actually start getting down down to Bye. the beginning. Gracious Berlikim.